Hello, and welcome to the Writers Guild Foundation podcast. My name is Enid Portuguez, and I'm the Communications Director at the Foundation. Today's podcast is a recording of our May 24 panel with the writers and cast of one of my favorite shows on TV right now, Jane the Virgin. Showrunner Jenny Snyder Ehrman was joined by three writers, Carolina Rivera, Amy Rarden, and Jessica O'Toole, as well as four members of the stellar cast, including Justin Baldoni, Yvonne Cole, Yael Grobglas, and Andrea Nevado. Jarrett Wiseman of BuzzFeed moderated the discussion, which touched on the themes Jane the Virgin chooses to address from motherhood to immigration. It was also interesting to hear from the perspectives of both the writers and the actors, who admitted to hearing some of the stories from the writer's room for the first time. Just a heads up, we had some technical difficulties, so we had to start the recording shortly after the panel started. Don't worry, you didn't miss anything major, just the intros, and you still have the hour or so conversation to enjoy. As always, check out more Future Foundation events at wgfoundation.org, and follow us on Twitter for more updates as well. Enjoy this conversation on writing and acting with Jane the Virgin. Andrew, I want to ask, you know, uh, your character is both a mother and a daughter on the show. Uh, when Jenny talks about wanting voices in the room who are mothers and who are daughters, how much do you feel that in the writing? Um, well, you know, from the second episode, I've always felt like I was taken care of and that I was included. And the reason why I say the second episode was because I had no idea where the series was going to go. <laughs> I could only base my character on the first episode. Um, and Jenny really captured my trust and what she was going to do with the Latina characters on the show. But not just the fact that they were Latina, but the women characters on the show. She was going to portray them in a beautiful and positive light, but at the same time with flaws. And I love that about, about our show. And so she has a sensitivity. I mean, even there was a, a time one of our directors, who's also one of our producers, um, had just had a baby, a, c- a couple of babies, a baby a, a few months ago, and <laughs> months prior. And um, she was, okay, this is like really weird. I'm going to mention it because I love telling this story. <laughs> As she was nursing, and in the middle of production, we all stopped. And you know, first AD was like, "Okay, we got to take a ten-minute break." Gina's got a pump, yep. and everybody was like, "Okay, cool." And you know, and everyone, and it was like no one batted an eyelash. And I said, "Yes, this is a female-run show. Damn it!" <laughs> <laughs> like all the, you know, most of our crew are men. It's like nobody, nobody batted an eyelash. It was so wonderful. It was just such a beautiful thing, you know. And and it carries the nursing room at the writers' room. I mean, it car- people are, you know, you just want to make things easier, yeah, not harder. And you know, being a mom doesn't doesn't mean you have to stop your life. Yeah, you know, and so that's what's great about Siomara too. So you know, like all these things, and I, I appreciate that. Absolutely, uh, Carolina. Jenny mentioned before that you've come from the world of telenovelas, have created so many incredible ones. When you join the show, you know, this obviously Jane the Virgin has a lot of telenovela elements in it. What were the conversations you guys had in the beginning of sort of how much telenovela energy do we want to bring in? What makes sense in our world? Where does that sort of line lie? Well, that's a tough question. But um, yeah, I come from the world of telenovelas and I've watched telenovelas and all my life and... and um, and coming from Mexico, we're like a very mellow, dramatic uh, 
culture. And I remember when I first met Jenny, when we had that first interview, we're talking about how telenovelas were crazy and how uh, they have so many turns and crazy, crazy things going on. And, and then um, I thought this was, well, this is like the perfect show for me, you know, because it, it does have like crazy things going on. But it's, but um, I mean, Coming from that world, I was surprised to meet the other writers because it's like I just want to take all you guys with me and write telenovelas because you come up with those crazy things and you, you know, I mean, you don't, maybe you don't come from the world of telenovelas, but you know, I think, I mean, I was, I was, um, I felt, of course, I felt home. I this is a show that is based on a, a Venezuelan telenovela, very lightly, and. <laughs> not, And um, I felt, you know, yeah, this is this is a world that, you know, I can insert myself in and, and that I can totally feel things, you know, going on. And, and, and it, it, it is very much like a telenovela, but but not quite. <laughs> and um, in many, many ways. And um, and of course, m m most uh, in, in, in the most specific way is that it's not only a telenovela it's also a comedy and it's also and there's also all these other elements that are playing in the story that are not just telenovela so it's like an like a very interesting hybrid and and i feel like at home what what i love is that carolina i call them that she sends me once in a while like i would say three or four times like a year but They're very serious. She, she, well, the room will go in a certain direction, and everything is moving very fast. And I'm saying, yeah, 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 we'll do that. And then I'll get like a note from Caroline at night that says, Jenny, I was thinking. And <laughs> usually, I tell everybody like, you got to keep the emails to me to three lines because like otherwise, I'm not going to respond. It's going to I try open to, them, I and they're long, right? They're long right away. But I know that it's something important, and she'll tell me. And it's these very incredibly well thought out. Um, just here's what I think. I don't think you want to do this. I think the, this is what's in the bones of the telenovela. I think you have to keep this. Like she said, I, I, Raphael needs to make some kind of last, we need to keep that alive. He needs to make some kind of last minute um, declaration to her. And, you know, so, and, and I always take them very seriously. <laughs> Because and 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 but I, I know I open them and it's it's long and so I gotta like sit back I'm getting Jenny ready. I've been working on <laughs> during hiatus I I just I, I want vacations to end and then I'll send it to you <laughs> I'm gonna get it but it's it, it's invaluable to me and it's so then I'm like okay well we have to keep that alive but I don't want him to interrupt the wedding how and we always call it how can we have our cake and eat it too storytelling where we want to give. Like, I want it to serve a million different things at once, so I want him to say what he feels, but I don't want it to be real, because I also want him to have this heroic moment where he's not looking out for himself, and he puts her... So, it, it, it's... These emails are very, very important to me, I will say. <laughs> I have to say... I'm, I'm a little nervous about the next one, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna breathe. Just I have to say, I'm really interested in this, because as an actor, I mean, we don't get to hear this stuff, right, guys? I mean, we yeah. don't... We get this final perfect story. <laughs> yeah, so I'm just enjoying this as much as you guys are. Feel free to just jump in at any point, the actors. If you have questions, we can definitely field them. Um, Justin, I want to go back to something that Carolina was saying, which is something I think everyone in this room knows, that this is a show that mixes every genre under the sun, and then also creates some new genres, I think, that have never existed before. 
as an actor, how exciting is that to be a part of a show that offers you so much as a performer? Oh, man. Um, being very honest, I was scared out of my mind when we shot the pilot. Because uh, I hadn't acted in, in a while. Um, and when I read the script, I was so... As an, I was so confused on how I'm supposed to play this character because the things that were happening to him were extraordinary. <laughs> like, I don't know what you're talking about. You have to be more specific. I have no idea what you mean. I had nothing to do with it. I mean, there's this moment, you know, these Everyone's moments Everyone's after are, the sperm. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... But as I, I think as the show went on and I kind of got more comfortable as an actor, I, it's been so much fun. It's just, I can't imagine another show that allows you to express so many things um, that you would never get a chance to express in such short little windows. So, you know, the show was cut so quick um, that you have these moments and all, every moment is rich. Like there's never just like a duh or blank kind of nothing's happening moment. And so there's always life. There's always something that um, that you have to play. And the the best part is if you and I was thinking about our show, you have a half hour sitcom, and you have an hour drama all in the same show. And to be able to like go from a really intense dramatic scene where normally Raphael's going through something intense uh, <laughs> uh, to like a really you know now it's like watching uh, Yael get to play against herself and like. <laughs> The weirdest stuff, and she's got the, you know, she's got this character that's, it's like, she's playing with this, this fantastical character that she based on her cat or something, and like, and yet somehow, you know, and I don't know what you mean, and yet, and yet, so, and then you, you know, you see Vaughn, and she just brings this depth, and and uh, Andrea, and then it, you have this like, all these colors, and you can cry, and then you get permission to laugh. Um, so I don't think there's anything better right now. Like I, I, I watch TV and I'm like, I, there's not another show I could ever imagine or wanting to be on more than I would want to be on this if I was like auditioning for it. Um, so I'm just just uh, grateful. And you know, our show is that is a telenovela and comedy, but it also has elements of Garcia Marquez and Isabel Allende, and that's what elevates it more. So, huh? I think I don't know. Well, yeah, since Justin set me up so perfectly, I want to, your cat, Aneska is your cat. Oh, it's a few of my cats, to be fair. <laughs> um, you know, if we're talking about telenovela, there is really no better telenovela element than the evil twin who comes in and steals an identity. Uh, when the writers came to you and said, so we're going to bring in Petra's, yes. That never happened. No, you, <laughs> I never had a, a conversation You just got like a that. script. And no, what I got was I had guessed something. Now, this is brutally honest, and I'm, I'm going to tell yeah, the truth fired, here. I, yes. <laughs> um, I, um, I had guessed that there was going to be a twin based on something completely random a long time ago. It was my fault because I had forgotten to put in do twins run in the family, a Magdalene in, the- in the early draft. If I had put that in the early draft, she would have said, no, nothing. But I put it in a revision. Exactly. I and, I was, and then I read it, and line. I texted Jenny immediately after that sentence, like, oh, my God, I'm going to have a twin. And I get back, like, a, I, like, I just give random emojis. Like, Yeah, she was like, ha-ha. <laughs> like a teeth grinding, a smiley, and like a poop. <laughs> I was like, so I put that aside. I was like, all right, I guess that's not happening. And then a few months, Flags. seriously, like, yes, some flag of some country. Yeah, just nothing. 
lollipop high. And then like I, I a few months later, suddenly this, and I didn't have a conversation of uh, this is coming up, but, but I was terrified because for about a week, everybody who was on set was who had the script, like all the department heads and the writers were coming up and going like, so, have you read the next script? I was going like, no, why? I, I thought I was going to die. I mean, I, okay. I always think I'm going to die. I text Jenny probably every second episode. <laughs> Am I going to die? <laughs> yes, like, am I dying? Am I... But Petra's kind of always on the verge, which is one of the things I really love about the character. She may die, but now they'd have to kill me twice. So... <laughs> it's going to be harder to write me off. How many, um, how many times was Zaz killed, though? A bunch. Yeah. And speaking of twins, we've had that. Like, uh, there's a re- it's a recurring. I hope we have one every season. But that's the great <laughs> thing about a telenovela is you can you can keep doing all it. these that's things. True. Yeah. So I never had a conversation with the twin is coming, but I've, you know, I had all that buildup of people saying, "Did you read it? Did you read it?" And eventually, I ran home and I read it, and I was in complete shock. And I had a conversation with Jenny, and the minute she she spoke to me a bit, a bit about you know what the character is going to be like, and and she said she has um she Annie is her favorite movie. <laughs> I, I was like, okay, that's a random thing to say about a character. But then I understood reading the script about why there were those elements of Annie. <laughs> and then, did you know like that she was, was going to make well the character like that? I'm just curious. Because did you guys talk? Well, no, she said she had a fear. And you started reading. Almost, and we were just like. very skittish. Yes. And I said she really has a voracious appetite. She's very skittish. And she scratches. And um, <laughs> just, just a hair trigger. And I said she's not poised like Petra. Yeah, yeah, this is a conversation. Yes. <laughs> like, or Annie's her favorite movie. She scratches and she has a, a personal space issues. What, what else do you need? Issue? What else do you need? I know. That was perfect. That was all I needed to base it on my cat. <laughs> and so I have a, I had a cat called Pablo who's a funny creature with a mustache. I'm not even sure he's a cat. He might be a squirrel. And so he has a terrible fear of it. You move a chair and he jumps backwards. And I call it getting the fear. So I thought this is a perfect thing to like adopt as a character. She's getting the fear. And also the she she's, you know, basically I think the fun part was really making her as different as possible from Petra. And the chance of like getting to play two completely opposite characters and be in one scene with these amazing people and get to react to their characters in a completely different way as two different people it was just a dream come true. Like, I will forever be grateful to Jenny for that because, I mean, I couldn't ask for anything better. I mean, and you've really done some amazing non-cat-like things with her as well. Non-cat-like? Yeah. I mean, just her entire energy. But you don't know my cat. I guess that's a fair point. I don't know what Pablo's like. <laughs> um, but it really has been incredible. For you, I mean, there are scenes where you're playing opposite yourself. There are scenes where you are playing... Petra, who is actually Inesco, who's pretending to be Petra. I mean, yeah, that's when stuff goes into getting yeah, complicated. I, was sort of, I mean, are you getting to find sort of new layers to the nuances to that relationship? Oh, absolutely. And I think what's really nice is, I mean, since two seasons, whenever I have an interview, people ask me, what do you want Petra to have? And I keep saying a friend, a friend. I never expected the friend to be me. But, um... <laughs> Uh, but uh, I think that having Aneshka around has brought out a softer side to Petra and it's in the writing I mean really my job is incredibly easy with Jenny's uh, writing and our team I mean I really have barely anything to do except show up Um, but uh, but there I mean yeah I think it's brought it's managed to change both I mean I not not only got to create this new character with Jenny and, and our writers but but uh, to see a whole new side that that brings out of Petra, for example, the incredible, incredible Mother's Day episode where 
um, all, I mean, I think it was a great episode yes. for absolutely everyone. And and for me, as Petra, there was a moment where, uh, you know, Jane gets, Rogelio makes this amazing thing for Jane, and, and everybody's very focused on Jane, and it's her first Mother Day, and Petra's kind of like, you know, post, cause still going through postpartum depression, and and which is another amazing amazing thing that Jenny managed to bring into the show. Um, and uh, and Aneshka kind of stands up and says something to her, and I think that's really... I got to show a different side of Petra, which I loved. I have a question for you. Do you ever get confused which one you're playing? <laughs> Actually, I thought I would, but the funny thing is their their physicality is so different yeah. that as Petra, you know, you're so like, yeah, the t- clothes are tight. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> There's a lot of spanks happening. So she's, you know, she's she's uptight and she's cold and she's rigid and she's um, like you can't do the you can't have the Aneshka language with that physicality. And Aneshka, who's kind of like this, like you can't possibly pay, play Petra like that. Like it just doesn't work. So thankfully, well, I know we've gotten confused about <laughs> who you were. I'm usually Aneshka in real life. When, yes, well, when when it's when it's your stand-in dressed up as you. Oh we my God! Yes, think it's you, and then when it's well, yes, we stand, have. When you're dressed up as she's Aneshka, a wonderful we standing. walk by her and we say, Barbie, who's an actor. She, she's she's a, an amazing. Could, we couldn't have done any of this without her. Yeah. Sorry. Because she I, remembers everything that uh, Yael does. And, and sometimes we have like eight days in between the two sides of the scenes. Like we'll do all the scenes of, an ep- of Petra's side um, one day, and then eight days later, we'll do Aneshka's side of the same, all those scenes. And she'll have remembered yeah. everything. Yeah. Um, but also, back to being confused for everyone. <laughs> We will like be looking for Yael, and she'll be standing right next to us, dressed as Aneshka. And we're like, "Well, where is Yael?" And we're looking. That happened. Where, who are you laughing at the other day at the table read when someone was freaking out? Like, "Yael's not here. We need Yael to be here. Where's Yael?" And she's like, and Andrea was standing next to him, going, "She's right here. She's right, she was right and there." After a while, she couldn't stop laughing. She was like, "I can't even. I can't." And one of our ads, MC, like chased my double out of the set. Saying like, yell, yell, yell. And I'm just sitting there on the couch as Aneshka going, what? <laughs> it was wonderful. I actually went to the store as Aneshka just to see, like as a social oh, study. Wonderful. Yeah, just to see what happens. Um, yeah, I was talking about the Mother's Day episode. And obviously motherhood is a huge theme of the show in every episode. But in particular this year, I think you guys have done some really incredible work about the struggles of being a new mother, about how long you actually live in the world of being a new mother. I think a lot of television shows, it's like, oh, they have a baby in one episode, in the next episode, their body is back, and the baby is totally fine and taken care of and not part of the story. (laughs) Um, You were clearly not interested in that version of this. Can you talk a little bit about why it was so important to you to really represent sort of the day-to-day beginning stages of motherhood through first Jane and then Petra? Because it's so hard. <laughs> um, Jessica, Jessica, Amy, Carolina, and I are all moms, and you know it's like it's like a support group of like, oh my god, did your baby do that? And like, once you start talking about it, it's just it's like it's a, it you you have somebody who has their entire identity, and you've worked so hard to get your whole identity, and then all of a sudden you have a baby, and you're just like, oh, I'm working for you now. <laughs> like, that's it. Like. Okay, and um, it's it's really you know, it was so cataclysmic for me. Just and I love my kids; they're amazing. They're uh, you know, I love them. They're great. But I mean, it was <laughs> it's really hard all the time, you know. And and um, 
I think we just we just hadn't hadn't seen that and and um, you know like once you get any of us talking now the best part is that we have this uh, one one of our guys Paul said he went to um a, uh, he was talking to his friend who just had a baby and Paul is single no kids and he, she was talking about the baby and he stopped her in the middle and he goes I think maybe the baby's cluster feeding I just have to say that <laughs> and she was the baby was and like. <laughs> He learned from that. I mean, you guys can True, speak yeah. about the mother. Oh, yeah. I mean, the guys in the room have been put through the ringer. I mean, we've yeah. every dirty detail. They've um, one of the, the, the well, I know that our token straight white guy wants to have a baby with his wife. So when she comes to visit, he says, don't tell your stories. <laughs> Not tell your stories. <laughs> but I mean, I think just as a writer, it feels like such fresh terrain because you never see these things on TV. And the, th the fact is, they're also very funny. Right. And like, they're very dramatic and they're they're emotional. And so why not use them? Bobby, Bobby, the children's <laughs> right, entertainer, yeah. is somebody that Amy has experienced yeah, and yeah. like tracked down and. Yes. Yeah, Bobby, Bobby is uh, based on a real Val San Fernando Valley children's entertainer who's very elusive. <laughs> I tried to find him for this episode. I wanted to bring him in yes. to audition. I couldn't find him. You couldn't reach him. You can't. He's this. I put, Bobby, a, put the word on him. Facebook. He, you know. Yeah. So if you're his name is Tommy. If you're ever at a birthday party, you're in for a real treat. Um, <laughs> and you know, um, and 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 because Gina would say, like, do I still am I still wearing the baby bump? And I was like, you're still wearing it. You're going to wear it. You're going to wear it for a while. Because I feel like, you know, I don't need more people watching. I still carry mine as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you, you just, you, it, I don't know. It's, it's, it's affirming to see that it's not just, you know, I think to, uh, all forms of representation are affirming. And the more we can find the different ways into all different kinds of stories, that you feel heard and you feel validated and you feel like, oh, because when I first had a baby, I was like, I don't understand what, like what, what now? Like, so I, I remember I had I had the baby, and um, my husband and I turned to each other the next morning, and we were like, "That was one day." <laughs> oh fuck! Um, <laughs> what now? Like, what did we get ourselves into? So you know, it, it was I was excited. Everybody would say to me the first season, "What's going to happen when Jane has her baby?" I thought, well, that's, number one, so interesting that you think, like, life ends once a, a woman has a baby. So, like, let's attack that. Um, and the second is, like, everything's going to happen when she has her baby because everything's going to change. And once you think you get a handle on it, the baby's change, and now they walk. So now there's a new, you know, everything changes all the time, and that's what you want for dramas, this constantly changing landscape where your characters are adjusting and trying to learn and grow and change. So um, it, it felt very rich for us, and we have no shortage of, of mom stories in our room, which I, I love. And I think one of the great things that you managed to do is every single person that's a mom on this show has remained sexy and has had their own kind of love interests and it continues no matter if you have a child or not and I think that's so incredibly beautiful well, I mean, I mean I look at so on this no. <laughs> <laughs> but yes yeah no we try to keep their lives full so that and there's all different versions of motherhood and no one version no one way because I, I remember being having a baby and then being like oh I'm not I'm doing everything wrong like according to her and according to her she's doing everything wrong and you know it's overwhelming and um, so we try to put it all into the soup and hold back judgment. Well, as a fan of the show, sorry, sweetie, as a fan <laughs> of the show, because I am, because there's a part of me that has a job to do on Jane, but then there's another part of me that's a fan, I feel included 
as a mom, you know, when the whole storyline with the, the breastfeeding and the cluster feeding and, uh, you know, I went through all of that stuff and, um, you know, the, the, the not showering for days. <laughs> yeah. I went through that and, you know, all of those things. And, and, and so often fans will come up to me and say, you know, thank you for, you know, portraying a single mom. Thank you for the relationship you have with your daughter and, and you know, with Yvonne Cole and all that. And because they feel validated and they feel like they're being included and, and even, but especially like single moms feel like they're being included. So it's things like that, you know, that, that Jane is doing that is, I think, one of the reasons why it appeals to so many diverse uh people of an audience is that um, they're feeling included, that their story is being told, even if it's the story about breastfeeding, let's say. Yes. Yeah. Was, was Jessica, was something you wanted to add? Yes. Consistent with what you were saying, I, I also like how um, we didn't just do it where Jane's overwhelmed at the beginning and then she gets used to it and it's smooth sailing. She continues to get overwhelmed. I feel like that's something you don't usually see either. It's right. like, well, then he stops sleeping and, start, and regresses and I feel like it's showing how as they change there are new challenges and we always try to just say like who's the baby with we always ask right. that that's, that's what with? i was gonna who's say who's watching the baby like <laughs> in the writing is we're all stressed right. yeah. like it's like oh, life, the where you're like who, who has the baby, baby right now yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> who has, <Everybody laughs> has them right yeah we actually, when we board the scenes, like we, we have discussions about, okay, wait, Jane has to be at the hotel, and then, oh, where's Mateo? Can, can Raphael have Mateo? No, okay. Raphael. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like it's always like, and they, it may not even end up on screen, but we have those discussions in the room. We know where Mateo is at all times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> we do. It feels like in the morning when you're like organizing with, you know, your partner, like, okay, who's going to pick up? Who's going to, you know? Exactly. <laughs> and I mean, continuing on that conversation the flip side of sort of things is with everything you got to explore with Jane you also got to explore an entire other experience through Petra and as you were saying the postpartum depression which I thought was really interesting because a lot of the representation we see of it on television tends to be like very dramatic and extreme which it can be absolutely but I thought this was such a nuanced interesting take on it Um, and I was wondering if the writers could talk a little bit about why this version of this experience was so perfect for this character a little bit of it when I had my first kid, but it wasn't very dramatic. It was something that, like, I, my doctor kind of forecast for me when I was pregnant, even. She was like, you seem really anxious. I think you're going to have an issue when you have the baby, <laughs> and you're going to have to deal with it, and it was exactly what happened. And, I mean, and it's sort of what we did with, with, with Petra, where she sort of, she got medication, and she got a doctor and everything, and she, she started to feel a lot better. It wasn't like, you know, jumping... I mean, look, obviously, there's, like, a really serious form of postpartum depression where you... And that becomes like a psychosis, but for the most, it's also very common too. Yeah. Um, so we wanted to do like the, I think we wanted to do like the real version of it um, uh, with with Petra, who also has some pretty crazy things happen to her. And I think that was one area where it, she, she was experiencing something very real and very relatable and, you know, brought so much heart to it. Um, I feel like in that area, the soapy stuff I don't know. It, it just seemed almost like too, it would have been too obvious or something. Yeah, we will go for the really dramatic, almost in the telenovela uh, arena, where like we have different levels of how we treat different kinds of dramas. And things like postpartum, we're not going to go to the um, most extreme version of, because that will take some of the uh, grounded emotion connectability away. So we wanted to make this the more subtle version of it. Um, it, and almost because that would be unexpected and because also those those small things are really huge in your life and um 
we also wanted to show a version where she got on medication and did feel better because that's important too and that can work for a lot of people and and then as soon as she did, her sister stole her, sister her identity. Yeah, I said her sister's like Chekhov's gun. Like, you're not going <laughs> to even notice a twin long. if the twin is not going to steal her identity and paralyze her. Um, yeah, I think something the show has really had in its DNA from the very beginning, which was inherent in the fact that it's about the Villanueva family, is the concept of immigration, which is something that has been so amazingly handled on this television show from pretty much the first episode. The lengths that you've gone to to not only sort of tell a story, but also to inform the audience, I think are incredible by using medical repatriation, immigration reform. Did you envision the show having such I don't want to say a political angle because I don't think it's politicized. I just think it's inherent in who these people are. But did you think this show would be, would that have that DNA in it? Oh, I didn't know how much we would go because you never know when you're building a show just sort of the directions it's going to go and where you're going to pull from story. I knew that I wanted to have the characters Venezuelan and not Puerto Rican as our actors are because I wanted uh, immigration and uh, the fact that Alba was undocumented to be something um, that we would get into. So I knew that and also pay a little bit of homage to the country that the telenovela came from. Um, I had... Uh, so I always thought we would go there. I didn't know to what extent when we were... Um, uh, meeting uh, about the show and, and meeting people and auditioning, I met Diane Guerrera, who plays Lena, also in Orange is the New Black, and has this incredible book, um, In the Country We Love, which, uh, anyway, I was sitting and I was meeting meeting her about to, to talk about um, casting and parts, and she told me how her family um, was deported when she was 14, and nobody checked on her. And she survived because of friends that took her in. She, her parents aren't allowed back in the country for 10 years. And it was just... They're still not back in the no, country. No, they're not. No, they're still not back in the country. Um, and it was one of those stories that I just heard from her, and I just thought, well, we need to get into this quicker. Um, you also feel the, you know, um, political... I, I feel like every show has a point of view. You're just... How overt you are about the point of view is, is up, every show has a point of view. So we just decided as we were going to really embrace it and, and to have it be part, like, the, the way that you can maybe, through this beloved character that Yvonne plays, well, how are people going to see her and think our country's oh, not... Gracias. Right, like, thank you. You, you, you think if you tell it through her, who's going to watch and think she can't be here? Like, look at what she's contributed. Look at the fabric. Look, at we are a country of immigrants. So... It 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 start it it was there from the beginning, but it did get stronger as we went and as we would write things and we would have these table reads where the actors would be like yes yes like oh it it just builds in 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 you and it becomes um, more and more important as you went and so. also it presents a social problem in the country. Yeah. It's not only a political one, but it's also a social problem yeah. and uh, also it reveals. But in terms of my character, I feel it reveals that an adult comes here as an immigrant and his language is another language. It's very hard, very difficult for them as an adult to learn another language and the technicalities of it. As, as, and you're trying to survive in another country, another culture, another language. You're trying to make some money for your family. So I don't think that, and I think Alba might know because she has shown it already, you know, a little bit of English. It's not her forte, but, <laughs> but she understands it. 
which gives a, a, a tribute to Jenny also that, you know, they're talking to me in English and I'm saying in Spanish. Okay. So that means I'm very... Uh, extremely well-educated woman um, that knows two languages. Thank you. You know, <laughs> absolutely. You got to look at it that way, too, you know. I mean, it's not her ignorance. On the contrary, is that she knows both. Um, and uh, so that's why I find that when Alba speaks Spanish only, I, at the beginning, yeah, I was like, why? Because I'm Puerto Rican, like she said, and we know both languages. We're educated in both languages. And in Yvonne our said, territory. I had spent so much time. Huh? You, you told me you had spent so much time perfecting your. Oh, yeah! Like, you want me to speak Spanish? Uh, oh, really? I came here in 1975 and I had to take all the diction classes. I used to even clean the. Classrooms to get the free classes, of course. You know, I mean, you have no idea because they would say, "Oh, but your accent," you know. And I'm like, uh, "Okay, I'm going to have the accent, but I'm going to I'm going to be understood, and I'm going to sound like a very well-educated woman." That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> so you know, I've worked so hard in this. You know, worked. <laughs> That's hard for a Hispanic person to say because we don't have those endings, those consonant endings in Spanish. So for us to learn it, to even say New York. <laughs> With a K at the end. Ah, you know, I used to teach on uh, PS14 in New York uh, when I was a, st a student, basically waitressing and teaching. And uh, that was my contention with the kids. Most of the Hispanic kids that were there, you know, an after school program, New York. And I'm. <laughs> so they did learn something from me, which was how to pronounce the endings of the words, if anything. But uh, yes, at the beginning, I was very adamant because I had trained so hard. <laughs> And then I go to New York for the Puerto Rican parade last year, and Mayor de Blasio says, oh, you speak English. And I'm like, <laughs> Mayor? <laughs> You're a mayor. What's the matter with you, you know? And he speaks, oh, my God, I can't picture you speaking English. And I'm like, yeah, we're here. Yeah, I'm an actor. <laughs> All I am. But do you remember the applause at the table read? Um, first time uh, Abuela got to speak English, do you remember the applause at the table read? Yes. He finally had a sentence in English. Yeah, she like, finally ah. had a little sentence in English. And I had to be very careful because yeah. Jenny wants me to be very careful with it. Because Alba is different from me, of course. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm not Venezuelan. I'm not an abuela. I'm not a mother. I, I, I'm an actor. So, uh, you and know. And a great one. Huh? I, thank you. So at the beginning, I was very, but then I understood what it meant and what it means socially and politically, especially right now in what the country is going to see. Aha, get ready. <laughs> ah, my God, you know? It's a very interesting dynamic. Uh, so in terms of that, we, we are a very uh, challenging show because nobody, and I'll tell you something, Jenny, what you created with me speaking Spanish only now I see all sorts of commercials with the abuela going, I'm going to steal the car. And I'm like, oh, se lo voy a robar. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. So now you see a lot of bilingual uh, 
commercials abundant and and it's because i think the influence of what we have even off fresh off the boat has a uh, the grandma speaking uh in korean i think it is so i think we you know what we've done with this show is we've created a landscape of difference in tv land but you, you know? know what's interesting how remember how that came about Yep. So we had a, an extensive discussion about about it at our first read as a group uh, for the pilot, and um, Gina was uh, reading. Some of her lines were in Spanish, and at the end of the read, um, I had mentioned to you, it was like, well, you know, I, I don't know that she would be speaking in Spanish. If you want to, she would answer in English, and that would be reflective because that's kind of the story of Latino immigrants here, if anything, immigrants in general. And that's how the you know it came about. And I was so grateful that Jenny listened. Um, and, and she took it, you know, she really thought about it. And it was a consideration. I don't know exactly how it went with CW and that whole thing. But, you know, the, the, the question of, well, will an audience be willing to read subtitles? You know, um, the, that was my contention, too. Because as as a Puerto Rican in Puerto Rico, when you get the American uh, films or any films from uh, all over the world, you have subtitles. So we're used as Hispanic people to read subtitles, or as any other people from any other country, you know. And I was adamant. I said, "Oh my God, Americans they don't like to read subtitles. They <laughs> but don't now they like do. To read. But now they do. Yeah, now they do, Boys baby, baby." <laughs> There was a great moment in season two when Rogelio was on the set of his telenovela where he's having a conversation with someone and he says to them, people don't want to read subtitles. And it was subtitled on the screen. And it was so genius. And you guys have used you guys have used on-screen typography in a way that I've never seen in a television show before, both tongue-in-cheek in that way, both literal when we're talking about the on-screen burn-ins for vote, vote, vote. I mean... How did the idea to be so um, inclusive with sort of that element come about? We we had the subtitles that uh, Abuela was going to have, and and when I was sh- had the first cut of the pilot after you assemble it and you're looking at it, it all I, I could tell everything was playing, but I didn't. I felt like I had to show people how to watch it because it was such an unusual tone. So um, Brad, who's the director, and we are all, all just love him so much. Um, it was uh, He had done his cut, and it was my turn, and he said, I'm going to leave you. And um, I just started to freeze things, and I said, just start typing on, like, these are the things that Jane loves. These are the things that Zoe loves. These are, And um, so anyway, I did it through the whole first act, and then I called Brad in, and I was like, he's going to hate this, because I have just like torn up his beautifully constructed pilot, and he just, um, he said, I love it, I love it, and we started, um, and so then we continued the rest of the cut together, um, and so that, it was really the, the typing on screen, I mean, we always had a relation between the narrator and the narrative, and, you know, Jane's a writer, so I knew that that was going to be part of the vocabulary, but I didn't know until I got that first cut. I just started to add it, um, and then and then it started to grow. And you know, we we started to expand our vocabulary. We couldn't. I, some of it was necessity. I couldn't see a character coming up, um, and I had very little time to tell the audience who he was. So we circled him, <laughs> and people liked that. And then, like you know, we just started to add to it. I, I the editors love it because you know they get a chance. I, we had when we were introducing the two twins. Um, uh, Jane's evil sometimes stepsisters were Helio's ex stepdaughters. Um, that uh, we had, we were showing them very quickly, and and we talked. Uh, 
the audience isn't going to know who they are because it's such a quick shot. So the editors typed on their names and then all of a sudden switched the typing. And all of a sudden, and so you were like, oh, they're the twins, you know? And so it's, it, it, now it's, um, it's such a huge part of the show, but it really, um, it, it developed in, in editing, really. Um, yeah. Carolina. Also, nobody understands what I'm saying when I'm saying my lines. <laughs> <laughs> On the set, except oh, maybe Andrea and Lena, that's yeah. it. No, <laughs> the script supervisor, I'm like, you know, did you get the line? <laughs> Is this I know, line? and I go, I made a mistake. Can yeah. I do it again? And oh, but you look good. I see that it sounded good, but... <laughs> Yeah. I think my favorite <laughs> type on, by the way, was the scene where we had, I think it was Raphael, Petra, and Lachlan. And basically within five seconds, with circles and arrows, they managed to explain, they oh, fucked yeah. over, they've yeah. just yeah. fucked, yeah. they, um, <laughs> yeah, him, uh, and now you know it, with the help of the narrator. I think it was just brilliant. Yes. I mean, Justin, as an actor, sort of, is that an element that helps you, or is it sort of something that really happens in a post situation that you just get to enjoy as a viewer? Um, by the way, I'm just enjoying listening to this. <laughs> you don't have to ask me any questions. I'm really, this is, we don't ever get to talk and listen to all these things. Um, you know what? Uh, yes, it does help, but I think the thing that I actually like a lot is the, when we pause for the narrator. Yeah. Because. And it throws some of our guest casts sometimes. Yeah. Like you can see, you can see our guest casts that come on that are like trained theater actors. You know, I know I am a trained theater actor. Excuse me, <laughs> a guest <laughs> cast. Okay, but even though it doesn't in the best matter. sense, but they've never been, but they've never been on a show like this, and they're like, <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, do, like because the voice comes in and suddenly, and they don't and, stop. And, they don't just they don't, pause, right? Because they don't know what to do with it, and because you know, for us, it's such a natural thing. It gives you a moment that you wouldn't have otherwise. It is subtext that we're it's playing. It's also very it's theatrical. Yeah. It's yeah. very theatrical to have to keep living even when you're not speaking. It's and it's unusual to not be speaking on screen unless, unless you're listening to someone else speaking. So we actually, some, we have to pause while we're filming a scene for the narrator's lines. We have someone reading the lines so we have the timing right. But we have to continue to live. So it's a great acting exercise. One of my favorite, it's truthfully one of my favorite parts about acting in the show is because so much of it because you don't get a chance to play that stuff normally because we're always playing the opposite as actors and so if uh, Jenny writes a scene for Jane and Raphael so much of the things that Raphael is not saying he can feel while the narrator is explaining to the audience what he's feeling and why he's not saying that right so you get a chance to live in that for a second which which is, I think is a real joy. It's like a gift that you wouldn't normally get. Yeah, and yeah, and the narrator is the chorus of the action. The narrator also is another character. He's become another character. Anthony. Anthony, because he's so Anthony. good, you know, the way he's delivered it. And, oh, my God, he's extraordinary, really, you know? Uh, Jessica and Amy, you guys uh, worked on Carrie Diaries, correct? Another show that I was obsessed with. So good. Uh, and that had a narrator element, too. Obviously, yeah. it was a little more passive than, <laughs> than Anthony is on this show. I mean, as a writer, what do you feel you gain as a storyteller from having a narrator involved in the story? Well, certainly it can help you in the most obvious way with things like exposition or things that you would have be very difficult to communicate on screen without the narration. But I think the key is to, to make it not just about that. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, with Carrie Diaries, it was kind of like an homage to Sex and the City. So you had you had you followed that template. But with this, I mean, I think partly too, just Anthony's 
um, abilities just help to shape that character, become who he is. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. He's just so much fun. It's just so much fun to write. And having having the ability to to comment on the action and what you're doing and say, okay, yes, I know this is ridiculous and over the top, but I'm aware of that. So you can rest assured that this is going to be good and we know what we're doing, okay? So it's, <laughs> relax. It's going to be okay, that kind of thing. Um, so I think, I mean, I think that along with the type-ons and everything else we've been talking about are just fun tools that the magical realism all that stuff um it's it just i think it just makes it more fun to write and hopefully that's one of the things that shows we get to cut through exposition and yeah yeah Yeah, as an actor one of the things you don't want to have is is a scene where you have to be like remember when we did the thing you know the first 10 minutes of an episode of just reminding the audience of what happened and we have anthony doing i used to have to do that on one life to live as you recall (laughs) yes And it should be noted. Yes. Didn't I just say that? Yes. Like, last episode. <laughs> okay. Remember that time when we talked about the thing? Yes. Right, Remember exactly. when that happened? Yes, I said this like 10 times. Exactly. Anyway. <laughs> and I almost feel like when you're writing, it feels like you get to write a screenplay, a script for a television show and almost like a novel. Mm-hmm. It feels like because you get to put in the subtext that you never get to put in when you're writing a screenplay. Yeah. Um, so it's very freeing. I don't know how... We're ever going to write anything that we don't get to do typons and narration again. I mean, I think it's going to seem really boring too. I think. In one of our latest episodes, uh, the narrator gets drunk. Oh yeah! Right? Yes. There's a hiccup. That was like really cool. I mean, we. He woke up with a nice guy in the hospital. Something. He missed part part of the story. Brilliant. I mean, wh- what are the conversations in the writer's room like about the limits of those things, Carolina? I'm, no, I'm not saying limit them at all. I'm just curious. I mean, when you... No, there is a line. We just, you never know what it is. Right? Oh. Is it just we a situation know. where it's like you know what it is when you hit it and you're like, yes. let's dial it back now? Yes, tell us. Or we'll, we'll, we'll be like, I don't quite know. But it, it's weird. It, it does have its rules and it does have things that are too broad and so on and so forth. Yeah, and like, sometimes I'll say that's too broad and they're like, it, we just had a twin that... <laughs> really? The other, what are you talking about? And but. <laughs> Somehow you're right. Like it, 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 in the in the language of the show, it is too broad. Can I can I know something that was too broad for our show? <laughs> <laughs> Justin, yeah. You know something that was too big. There's tons. I say too broad all the time, right? I know. I I really oh God, don't like, agree with you. I think we don't know. And it's just we we really don't know what is too broad anymore. We do, we really don't know. It's like Jenny tells us. <laughs> I was looking at you. I was like, I know. Okay, you know. But yeah, we. Everything is possible. Like, I, it makes sense, you know. It's sort of like you ha- TV moves so fast, so you have to you have to really <laughs> rely on your gut. Yeah. And like you, you, at the beginning, you kind of fake it, and you're like, because you got to be real confident. But then you know it, and so like, it, I don't know, but there's something I'll hear it. It's and it's too much, or it's not, and you just, um, and and we have a really great flexible generative writer's room i mean just the the amount of stories that that we generate per episode is is really bananas um <laughs> you know that um i mean we have 80 scenes in seven days usually i would say you shoot 35 scenes in seven to eight days um we break like seven stories an episode and none of them are runners <laughs> they're like they need a beginning and a middle and an end and we're really hard within the writer's room on on material we're really exacting um so you just you learn to trust your gut and the group has gotten so close that 
you know, we can kind of feel it out. Um, and we're, we're, I'm decisive. <laughs> but that's good. I mean, that's what you want in a showrunner. I mean, we've worked for showrunners that, I don't know. What's so great about Jenny is she always knows, yes, no, yes, no. I, I think that's, it's so freeing because I feel like you get an answer. And uh, as a writer, that's what you want in a writer's room. You, absolutely. Also, also, as an actor, I mean, to have a showrunner who is so hands-on and who you feel, who is so, pro- like, you can reach out to for any question or anything. I think that this, it's just been the most incredible gift because with Anishka, I was freaking out and, you know, I was like, I don't know how big to make her that she's not a caricature, but it, we also want her to be funny. And, 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 you know, Jenny was there with me every step of the way and answered every crazy text that I don't know what ungodly hour <laughs> <laughs> of like, what, what was that? <laughs> and I think that's as an actor, that's just the biggest, biggest gift we could have gotten. Uh, we're going to open it up to audience questions in a moment, but I want to, before we do that, I want to ask the writers, has there been a story point or a character that you sort of felt was like the toughest nut for you to crack on this show? Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think that, um, I-, I wonder what Jenny's going to say. When I-, I think Derek has been <laughs> Oh my gosh, yes. Derek's been a tough nut to crack. <laughs> yeah. Why? Um, well, like, we introduced him late in the season. You have yeah. less time to think about it. <laughs> right. And then someone who needs to be kind of mysterious. Right. Right. It's hard to be mysterious, too. And like, like not the- to tip too many hands and to keep it also from getting yeah. too. It, yeah, that was definitely that was definitely tough. I mean. It's yeah, it's it's hard. Different characters in different moments are tough, like uh the because you you don't want them to get where they're going where they're going to get to in your mind so if you know where where you're going to get someone and I know like in 10 episodes I'm going to want Raphael to do this or to come to this realization sometimes it's hard to find enough steps and shades along the way so that you the character's moving but not getting to where you want to get to and that to me is the hardest it's like I found this season so much easier once Jane got together with Michael. Then I felt like, okay, stories. Like, this is hard. This is difficult. This is, but the, you know, and we had a certain amount that we had to have her go through to get there. And I found those were harder than once she made a decision. So sometimes it's like you have this big chart and it's like, you know where you're going to get. It's the, it's the little hills and valleys along the way that can get more challenging. Because you don't want them just treading water. You don't want them treading water and you want to make sure that they're, yeah. And and you we always want how can how are they smart how are they smart how are they smart is like always the question so that if if they're not smart they're gonna turn out to have been smart um and so that, that's always i think challenging because you don't want to you want to keep the storytelling surprising and and you know there's just a lot of pressure on each character so it it, it they all are hard in different at different times i find jane hard when she's not choosing like before she knows her heart how to make that interesting. I find Raphael hard when I'm trying to figure out how he, he still loves Jane. He still loves her. Well, what's the shade of that? You know, like it, it's, it's the nuances. that And also like finding the deeper right thing that's going on. It's like you can have a character do so many things and get somewhere. But what is moving yes. the character inside, like yes. really deep down? Yes. It's tough. And Sometimes. we spend a lot of time on that. Just like, what do oh, they yeah. want? And like, 
what's the emotional payoff of all this and if it's just just you know tripping on a banana we're not going to do it so which i think is so wonderful of how you've managed to create i mean something that can be so out there and so telenovela but with such grounded characters mm-hmm. i haven't seen that on anything else yeah we don't have anything lame ever no nothing our, ever ever and everything is explained which to me is something that can drive me nuts in a show when there's something that like never finds its ending that never happens i can forget about it even as an actor when it's my own storyline and then it'll show up again because they're brilliant right. and they well, remember we, everything we sit there and we figure out we usually make Amy keep track of it for some reason. <laughs> we figure out what's happening in your scene, but what also what's really yes. going on that might never be seen. There's like yeah. a season's worth of stuff that led up to like the but final that's reveal. Felt. Of the and sometimes Amy will pitch to me. She'll be like, right. here's what you think is happening. Yeah. Here's what's really list. happening. Here's what he thinks yeah. is yeah. happening. <laughs> and like, she'll say it very, like, kind of like this. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, you know, like, but you need to keep track of all of those things yeah. at once. <laughs> They are all out there. They all exist. They all exist. Your, your yeah. mom they all skills. show up then, which they is have amazing. A whole season of just what was really going on with Rose. Or whatever. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, okay, so we're now going to do some. I'm going to do like a Phil Donahue thing. That, that was the talk show host for the youths in the room. Uh, so just raise your hand, that's and so I will come to you with this. Phil Donahue. That's really oh, 80s. I mean, yeah, I remember. So this is such a treat to have the actors and the writers' room here all at once so I am curious it is and and so you get to go um you know you guys you go all over the place with this story which is wonderful so as the actors if you could say anything that no one could predict right now not based on you know the past couple years but but if you could go anywhere with your character or do something with your character what would be something that would be so outrageous that you would think the room writer's room would never come up with it but you'd like to do it I'm interested. Well, um, I can see me teaching cha-cha-cha. <laughs> you know, why not? Teaching a class for older ladies, maybe at the Marbella, and then I have a problem with, uh, with my Spanish and the English, and the tourist insults me and whatever, and we get kicked out. I don't know, you know. Cha-cha-cha. I think that could work. Um, I want Petra to... Um, Maybe wake up. Run off with a woman. <laughs> no, to run away with a woman, perhaps Jane, and raise their children together. Oh yeah. I think Petra's had enough bad relationships with men, and she needs a break. And uh, and Jane brings out a different side of her. And I think they should run off to a deserted island, not as a spin-off, like still have the other yeah. characters, and uh, and raise their babies. I mean, I smell a fantasy. <laughs> Magical realism. Me, um, uh, I I have no idea except the only outrageous thing that I can think of is is Siomara becoming a politician. Yes, <laughs> that would be great. Why not? We haven't done anything right? like that. that would be fantastic. I mean, we need a little representation out there. I like it. Oh my god! So I, as a joke, uh, texted you or emailed you at one point because I, I I had a funny idea. And I thought if Raphael like went to jail and he lost all of his money because of this whole thing, uh, what if Rahelio hired him as a telenovela actor because he looked like one, but <laughs> but he was so bad uh, and didn't speak Spanish well. And then and then I think I told David that, and he goes, I think I actually came up with that a while ago, and they didn't like it. <laughs> so. It's true. So it's we crazy. We went down the road of thinking that Abuela might get a part on the oh. telenovela for a specific reason, but then like would freeze up because 
um, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, I'm a fan. And then okay. Rahelia would have to fire her, but then but then we did it exactly. And then I can become his assistant, maybe. So to answer your question, ah, the best Better think of everything. I'm open, but yes, then we we did it. Why not? <laughs> I like all those ideas. <laughs> yes. Hi. Um, I think that Jane is a really amazing role model too and uh, you don't see characters like that on TV a lot um, not only is she like super not promiscuous um, she's like studying and she's like so involved with her family just everything um, what are the challenges in continuously working on a character like that and not making her just be like a boring perfect person that's a really good question <laughs> and that was something that we were um, like how can you be a nice kind compassionate person and not boring which like, I hope is we can. I'm, you know, I think it's um, it is a challenge, and I always feel very protective of Jane. Like I always have, uh, she w- would do this, she wouldn't do this. What are what are the parameters of the mistakes that she makes while still keeping her core, um, I think goodness and integrity. And it, it was something that we're just really I really wanted this her to be a positive role model in whatever that means to you just a good person and how to make that interesting and I think part of the challenge is that you have to give her enough problems Hmm. so I mean Jane's life is constantly crazy you know part of it is that her life becomes this novella um and and then she can feel that she can have the struggles you know it's okay to not always make the right choice or the as long as she reflects back on it and like I don't know. I just feel like there's so much dark TV and I don't feel like just because you're like brooding and whatever, you're necessarily more interesting. I think it's interesting to see, you know, it's hard to be a good person all the time in the world. It's easy sometimes to take, to cheat just a little or to uh, try to find your way, you know, and elbow a little somebody out. And so Jane can have those impulses, but then she thinks about it and tries I I just wanted her to be an admirable person my daughter who's five told me she wants like um for her birthday shoes with um Gina's face on them oh. wait does that exist N- no well I, it should she'll make them she'll I mean make them. but like that, Somebody's that, like that that's what I want like that's how Gina and I bonded early on was like I want my daughter to grow up and see some uh y- you know people on tv that like we're not talking about what they look like we're not talking about like they're smart they're driven and that's not part of the question like that's not part of the question jane is not you know she's desirable everybody wants her but we're not like she's not worried about um fitting into this dress or not looking good for this thing like i, I just i feel like there's enough of that so why yeah. not put something else out there oh, yeah. i'm gonna work my way around the room I'm, I feel especially excited about this show because, Yvonne, you coached me years ago oh for a role at the Center Theater Group. Uh, Jaime Ferrari. For, uh, ah, buenas felicidades. <laughs> Congratulations. And I actually great. auditioned for Sumara, which I'm so glad. Oh. You're like the best. <laughs> but anyway, I'm a writer, and I am very excited because I grew up watching telenovelas, uh, Betty La Fea, for example, Café con Aroma de Mujer. And I'm just wondering, Jenny, how did you find Juana la Virgen? I actually didn't know, you know, that didn't come to Colombian TV. And I'm wondering what was uh, your journey finding it and deciding that you could, like, transport that world into this world? You know, um, the Ben Silverman brought it to the CW, and the CW asked just... um, 
I, I don't know how many people they brought it to, but they asked me if I'd be interested in, in this. And I thought, I listened to the log line. It just felt so crazy. She gets accidentally inseminated. Um, but I just, you know, I always take a walk when there's a new idea. And, like, if I can see a lot and if I can sort of get this feeling and ideas are coming. And I started the walk thinking this is probably not the project for me. And I ended up thinking about, well, how would I react? And it started to emerge as this story about mothers and daughters and the way each generation is a, um, a reflection on the generation before. And, uh, you know, some in some ways we course correct. And I don't know, by the end of it, it just start, started to emerge a little bit as a fairy tale. Um, and I thought, well, am I the person to write this? Um, you know, I'm not Latina, but at the same time, I spend all day writing men. I feel a lot closer to Jane, who's like a 20, who, you know, I'm not 20 anymore, but a 25-year-old type A-driven, ambitious woman with mommy issues. I know that, you know. And so I started to think about all the ways that, you know, we're always writing and we're always separating ourselves and why aren't we create like just looking at how we are all human and we all have needs and we all have wants and um there's so much that goes into the soup of 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 who we are you know um race and religion and how much money you have and how much education you have and I just started to think I'm not going to represent everyone I'm going to write about Jane who's the daughter of Zoe who is the daughter of Alba and if I can keep that specific and if I can create those characters and have them feel real and authentic then why would I not want to write it like why would I say no to this project if I feel like I have a vision for it and I can bring that out um and so that was part of it I the magical realism that the really rich um, Latin American uh, tradition of magical realism was really inspiring to me. I thought, well, I could put that into there. I thought it, this could combine all of my like nerdy English um, major and college stuff with and make it a little bit of a meta telenovela. And, and but at the heart, it was a story about mothers and daughters, and um, that that I felt like I, I have a handle on. Thank you. Hi. Uh, I have a somewhat technical question for the writers, and I'm wondering, the question is about pivoting between um, sincerity, feelings, and comedy, as you guys do in the show so well. And I'm curious, as, as you have developed the ability to do that, have you developed or noticed any patterns or principle for doing that, whether it's it works better at certain parts in a scene or just before an act break or more towards the beginning of the episodes or the ending? Yes, there's a million patterns. There's there's things that we have certain rules within the writers' room, and, and again, it comes from feeling it. But like, I we can't transition from some uh, the Villanueva women crying on the porch swing to something incredibly arch having to do with a telenovela and a murder. How we can get from the Villanuevas to the murder is we can go through Rogelio, who has the connection of being both a father, being in the environment of a telenovela, and then we can use that to bridge into our our telenovela so we we have you know it, we are always we're really we break the episodes so specifically <laughs> within an inch of their life and what we work on a lot is the transitions those are essential I the, mean the essential like yeah. ha, what words how we're going to transition and how we're going to emotionally move from each and that you can have um you know usually we have certain rules where the first you know act break is is always going to be Jane's main problem the second one will probably be something um on one of the other you know like we we have those that math but it's a lot we we talk a lot about how we're going 
from this scene to this scene? How do we need something in between there to bridge it? What's the sort of bridge scene? Um, like Petra can play on the more arch telenovela, but also on um, s more sincere moments. So we could use a scene like that to help us get from uh, a Jane, you know, uh, something more sincere to something uh, more arch. And um, it, it's 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 a a huge part of our story breaking. And it is very technical. There's like a math to each episode, yeah. episode that... Why? Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah I, I always talk about the math. We have yeah. to get the math aside. Um, and it's just how... Because you can't go from them crying on the porch swing to somebody taking off their mask. We're just very lucky to have these writers. Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, we, we never know anything about, about these. these. We never just sat down and had a conversation about this. <laughs> We're always Amazing. just like, oh my God, the episode's incredible. We don't even think how, how calculated it is. Oh, yeah. Hi, uh, I'm Kanisha. Um, I'm in a theater company with Yvonne in Chicago. Hi, Yvonne. Hi, um, how are you? Good, how are you? <laughs> um, uh, so I'm very lucky to be in an MFA that was created to increase the number of women in writers' rooms. Um, and I also run a podcast where we interview the top women writing in TV and film. I hope you'll be on it. Um, so my big question is to the women who are up there and who are writing, um, if you could talk a little bit about your path to the writer's room, um, either from being a woman getting there or just being you know, an excellent writer trying to be their best self. Yep. Hi. 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 <laughs> um, uh, well, this is my first show in the U.S. I am a writer in Mexico and a showrunner in Mexico. I worked in... I started writing... Um, poetry <laughs> that's how I started and um and then I I discovered films and I wrote a lot of films um in my early days and then <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm pretty old I transitioned <laughs> to tv and then to telenovelas and um and then I I created a show that uh, then became Devious Maids here. I created the original show in Mexico, and that got me an agent here. And then I sold a format to CBS and also from an original show in Mexico. And that got me an agent. And, and when my agent, uh, I guess, talked to Jenny, and he... he one day I was in Mexico and he called me and said, I think I have the perfect show for you. <laughs> it's based on a telenovela and you got to meet Jenny. And so I met her and it was like an instant connection. And, and I'm very, very grateful because I've learned so much in this country. It's totally different. Mm -hmm. It's an incredibly different um, um, industry in Mexico and in the U.S. So that's that was my journey. I'm very grateful and very happy to be here. And as I say, this is my first show here. We're very lucky to have you. Um, Jessica and I met in seventh grade. Um, <laughs> so we were writing together when we were 12 years old. Um, doing... Uh -huh, yeah. We call them the twins. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we moved out here together after college. And we were kind of too aimless and stupid and losery to be afraid of anything, I guess. So um, we wrote a, a movie, um, and through various 
random connections, about four people removed, got it to a manager who's still our manager, and she ended up selling it. And we were very lucky, and it was never as easy after that. <laughs> um, but we wrote movies for a long time, and um, our agent was always trying to encourage us to go into television. We have a very different television experience, I think, than a lot of people. Um, we've Every show we've worked on has been a female showrunner. Uh, it was Anne and Sean. Co yeah. And one, it was a co-showman co by a woman and a man. Um, okay. We've never worked for Straight White, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, um, we've always been fortunate to work in rooms with a lot of women, um, and I know that's unusual. Um, but, yeah, so that's sort of our path. Um, and it's, so it's been great. <laughs> She already told the whole story. So, <laughs> you know what's so funny? I've always seen you guys as a unit. Right? Oh yeah, I know. I don't. Yeah. It, it it never really occurred to me, but I do see you as a unit. Like it's like when I see one of you, I see the other. Usually, it's almost like you guys are like twins. It's kind of oh, cool. Yeah. They usually write together when they write the episodes. It's but both the of them best part of the two of them is that that they always disagree. Yeah, we always. So <laughs> it's like if someone, I'll, I'll, I, yeah, when when the, it's, it's, totally it's their true. episode, I'll say everybody send me your top three casting picks. There could be six people. <laughs> one of them will choose three. The other one will choose yeah. the other three. I mean, just, but yeah. they're this magical team. I mean, yeah. uh, we're so lucky. Well, yeah. Everyone else starts laughing. As everyone, as yeah. One of us will say something to them. Other ones, that oh, doesn't yeah. make no. any sense. <laughs> yeah. It's usually me saying that. <laughs> and then, like, you constantly have to ask them, like, were you like this in high school? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, just details. They're very smart seventh graders, like, that you found each other. Well, I mean, you know, it was like, <laughs> we were like drama dorks and then everyone else we had a group of friends and the rest of them had like after college had real jobs or boyfriends so it was sort of by default that we ended up doing this you know <laughs> because we didn't have anything to lose we moved out here this sounds like a this sounds like a tv series well, this has to yeah. be its own script <laughs> right sold it yeah a, we did sell it as a pilot to oxygen like 10 years ago it never got made but, yeah. jenny do you want to talk about your journey um I, after college, um, I worked for a professor's wife who was a screenwriter, um, and it, she was this magical sort of mentor, and then I said, um, and then I had my, one of my friends from college said, uh, she had, she had, after college, gone to um, Puerto Vallarta where she was giving massages on the beach, <laughs> and she came back and she was like, I was thinking maybe we should, we should write TV, and I was like, all right, I don't see why not. Um, and I was writing, like, plays in New York, so um, she had, like, a lot of money. I didn't. And so she paid me to not work for a month and to write, like, samples with her. So I took a month off of work, and I wrote these samples with her. And then we drove out to L.A. <laughs> um, yeah, it was this bizarre story. And then I, I waitressed at Houston's, and, uh, and, <laughs> uh, and she, she had this beautiful house and you know and I would come over at five o'clock and every night from five o'clock when I'd be done with my shift to like midnight we would write and we wrote like so many samples so many specs and then we'd sometimes have meetings and I'd be like Arnold Palmer iced tea because I knew everyone's order because I worked at the Houston's right by Fox um and uh you know it was it we just constantly wrote like I I didn't know I, I, when I'm giving advice now, I'm like, you got to get in a writer's room and you got to be a, you know, a PA or or uh, get to be a writer's assistant. But we had no idea, so we were just like writing, writing, writing. And um, luckily, it, 
like after a year, we got um, a job, which was crazy. And I was working at Houston's, and um, we had this one agent, and this agent said, you got this job, and you're going to have to move to New York, and you're going to start um, writing on the show Hope and Faith. And I was like, okay, well, here's the thing. There's Houston's in New York, so let me just work out a few things. Because <laughs> I'd worked hard to get health insurance, right? So I was like, let me just make sure I can transfer first, and then, you know, as long as they can set me up there with some shifts. He was like, no, 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 you're going to have to stop waitressing. I was like, oh, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Let's see if it works first. So I, <laughs> I moved. Um, and then, like, I, and, and I also didn't know, like, oh, you're a staff writer. Like, listen. I was like, oh, they hired me. They want to hear my ideas, all of them. <laughs> like, and the showrunner was also, um, this was her first show. So she wanted to hear all my ideas because she didn't know, also, you know, so it was just this really, um, really lucky, you know, she became a mentor and um, my writing partner at the time, then decided that this wasn't for her, and I was like, this is for me. I love it so much. The, the big joke other writers would be is that she would be in her room, and they would see me, like, they would imagine me, like, rappelling onto it through her window at, like, 5 in the morning, being like, Victoria, I got another idea, you know? Because <laughs> like, I just loved it. So, um, it, you know, from there, I, I just kept writing, and I always just kept writing, always kept, even if I had jobs, I always kept writing pilots, just, like, Anything so that if somebody said, you need a single camera, you, we need a multicam, we need an hour, we need an hour. Like, I would have all the samples that I would po ever need for any possible job. And that was sort of my tact. You can see where Jane gets her inspiration. <laughs> um, thank you guys so much for this. This is wonderful. Um, I had a similar question for the actors about your journey of how you got to where you are. And I know, Justin, you mentioned um, that you hadn't acted for a while when you got this role. And I'm curious, like, how that came to be, you know, during slow times. And we're actors ourselves. And, yeah, we would we'd love to, you know, be where you are and just wondering how we can get to there. So. <laughs> Ladies oh, first. Uh, um, okay. Um, uh, how? Oh, I was about to retire because I was doing Switched at Birth, Teen Wolf, and and you know, and they were like my characters were about to be wrapped. So I'm like, okay, let me take my pensions and my social security, and just think about going back to Puerto Rico. How am I gonna be adapting myself again back home? I, I, I. okay. And then I get this audition, but for this pilot. But what happened was that I had jury duty that day. You see? Uh-huh. So I didn't I kind of didn't compute that it was a pilot. I thought it was just another show and I'm like, I have jury duty. I, I don't know if I can make it. And they and I said I have to wait until they call me from jury duty. And so they did they they said I didn't have to go that day. So I'm like, okay, I can make it. So <laughs> I, I, I. So you know, I'm not recommending for you to be, you know, but I think the relaxation of not imposing into myself, you know, the the responsibility of oh, Dios mío, I'm going for another pilot. <laughs> no, no, it's just another job. It's just another another play. Huh? It's just something new for you to explore as an actor and to grow and to and to get to know new writers, etc. So what I did was I got there and then I still didn't know that it was a pilot. <laughs> And it was the last audition of the pilot, you know, because I usually go to producers, so I had no clue. And everybody was like, and I'm like, yeah. 
What's going on? Yeah, I know. I was too relaxed. Exactamente. So then, uh, when I walk into the room, I thought I was going to be put on tape for producers, you see? But I walk in the room and everybody's there. Brad, Jenny, the producers, everybody's like, ah, fancy meeting you all. So they go like, okay, so I, I go, um, okay, so it's in Spanish and English, so what language would you like for me to do it in? Bien como And I said, and they said, uh, in Spanish, and I said, ah, oh, I can do that. Uh, what accent do you want in the Spanish? I, and Jenny knows this too because I said I'm Puerto Rican. I can do any accents. Yeah. So you want me to? You know. But I, I just know. So you know. And but I, when they said Spanish, I said okay. And Venezuelan accent. Oh, that's Caribbean. I'm Puerto Rican. I'm Caribbean. So I'll I'll give it that. You know that take. Okay, no problem. And so I glanced at the lines. As I, but I knew the essence of the of the scenes. That's very important. I know the essence of the scene, you see, as an actor. Even though I didn't know the lines verbatim, it didn't matter because I knew the purpose of the character. And at that point, what I did in that audition was I played it like the nuns that I was brought up with, that they would talk to you very softly and say, Fidias, no. <laughs> you know? And in this one, that's how I treated Jane at that audition. It was like, no, this is what you do, blah, 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 blah. And, when we, and, and then I got it. <laughs> Thank you, God. And then, well, I had to go and test. <laughs> but, you know, still, I got it. And then when we got on the set, then the director changed the intention of my character. <laughs> yes. And then the director says to me, I want you to scare her. And that was the clue that was everything to that character it's right i mean you have to trust your directors you have to trust everybody that is the 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 creative team because they know and i trusted the director and i said huh and he goes yes girl <laughs> okay you know and that's how alba came about with her stern catholic ways huh that's how Alba, in the pilot making, they were there and they decided, no, 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 this is too soft. Let, let's go the other way. So that was my, my experience on getting this job. I was totally unprepared, but at the same time, I was totally prepared in the sense that I knew the essence of what I had read. I had not memorized anything, and I think it worked to my advantage. Too. I would say, though, if you are auditioning for the producers, you should... Stick with the lines. <laughs> <laughs> That's very important to know, to stick with the line, to stick with the writing, you know, to honor the writing. That's why I didn't improvise. I read it. <laughs> and when you do sitcom, it's worse because <laughs> you cannot change a but or an and or an if in a sitcom dialogue. Don't dare do anything like that ever. You stick to whatever is written there. And in our show, we uh, hold on to the... You know, we, we treat it like a classical play, like Shakespeare. You can t change Shakespeare's lines. So in this, we do that, that as much like that. We honor the script where we memorize, bueno, nobody knows what I'm saying anyway. Man. <laughs> but uh, no, where we memorize exactly what is written, you know, especially the, the English-speaking parts, you know, because m with me, sometimes uh, we have to create a little bit more words to explain something or not, but it's the same essence, the same idea.
So yeah, don't change words. Uh, the play is the thing, remember, okay? <laughs> anyway, that was my experience. Thank you. Um, so I, I'm Israeli. I was, uh, woo! <laughs> two Israelis in the audience. Um, and, uh, and I was acting in Israel for about eight years before I came out here. I, I stumbled into it. I would love to have the story that I always dreamt to be an actor and now I'm here. No, that wasn't the case. I uh, knew I wanted to be some sort of artist. I tried painting. I was terrible. I tried dancing for many years. I was tap dancing. That wasn't where life led me. Thank you. Um, uh, I, I kind of didn't know what I was doing. And then um, singing was clearly off the table. Uh, and then, and then it's, I was model. I got some offers to model a long time ago, and and uh, and I was modeling, and I had this this runway thing, and and I got this dress, and we were prepped for about a month before how you walk out and you look cool and everything, and you turn around and you walk back, and I got this beautiful gown, and I got so excited that I just I walked out there, I was smiling, and I took this huge bow, and I turned back, and I got yelled at because that's not at all what I was supposed to be doing, and my father. Uh, who used to be a director a very long time ago. He isn't anymore, but he was, and he trained as a director. He told me, well, you're probably not a, a model, but you might be an actress. And I said, no, what are you talking about? And he was like, just for me, go take a class. And I did, and within about the first 10 minutes, I knew that that's what I was supposed to be doing. And then I was incredibly lucky and uh, booked my first role in Israel, which was in Israel, most um, seasons are 50 episodes, and we film about an episode a day. So it's it's a lot of, yeah. So I was kind of just thrown in there, and I was, and they were like, this is a camera, this is the page, make it sound real, that's the light, go. And you're kind of like, meh. So that was my learning experience. Um, and and it was an incredible, it was like throwing you in the deep end, which was un the best thing I, that could have happened to me. And then, um, and then I decided I wanted, you know, I loved theater and I wanted to do theater and I wanted to know what I was doing. So I, I signed up for drama school and I did three and a half years in Israel. And, uh, and eventually I decided to try to come here. I mean, I had also all my life spoken Hebrew and learned trained in Hebrew and done all my acting career in Hebrew and trans uh, coming over here and having to act in English is a completely different beast. Even if your English is good, acting in a different language, as you probably know very well, I mean, all of you, is that uh, it's like every word that has a certain meaning to you all your life. Like if you say the word ima in, in Hebrew is mother and suddenly to have to act with the same weight behind that word in a different language, it's a completely different beast. And... Um, and and I booked a pilot here that didn't go forward. I mean, I honestly didn't expect anything to come out of coming to Hollywood. It seems like such a huge thing from far away. And I was just extremely lucky. So, uh, and anyway, at some point I, I came out here for pilot season and auditioned for Jane. And I remember my first audition, I walked in and Jenny and Brad were in the room. And when you're in pilot season, you can have up to seven auditions a day. And many of them are not the most memorable experiences or, you know, you're just going through so much material. But I was sent the script and I... I couldn't stop laughing, but I was also, f there was like this ball of tears here at the same time. I was like, what is this thing? <laughs> this is so much emotion. And there was like a Latin narrator that was completely insane and I couldn't stop laughing. And, and, uh, and when I walked in the room, it was, so a director that I had once worked with told me something very smart. When you walk into an audition, it's, you have to remember, you might be nervous and everything, but it's not just them auditioning you, it's you auditioning them. And a couple of auditions before I, I walked into that room, uh, I remember they actually were very interested in me, but uh, but I 
I felt that I don't I don't know like I don't know about these people and when I walked with when I walked into the room with Jenny and Brad it just felt like family like they immediately gave me room to play and it's something that never happens and and it was such a warm fun environment and you felt it's just good vibes from the beginning and it's something that now I mean we're entering our third year of this and the good vibes have stayed and it's 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 a group of incredibly hardworking people. Um, it's like a second family to me because I moved here and I would not have had this incredible experience moving countries away from my family back home if it wasn't for all these people sitting here. Um, so I, I am the luckiest person in the world to be among them. It's incredible. Um, I'll try to make this quick. I know it's getting late and it's hot and you guys are amazing for like hanging out with us here and listening um i got into acting by auditioning for something my freshman year of college i had no idea what my major was going to be and um i was afraid to go to the audition but uh i decided to make myself go and so i did and lo and behold i got a role i did a play and then the theater the theater department asked me if i wanted to major in theater and i said yes and then i said no and then i said yes (laughs) and then i said no because it was the craziest thing, you know, what are the chances of me being successful as an actor? You know, it's no one makes money doing this, right? <laughs> so um, I had to follow my heart, and I've always been that kind of person to follow my heart, and um, I decided to declare it as my major. I graduated with a four-year degree in theater, and then I went on to start working professionally, but it took me like two years to actually get the ball rolling and um it's been a a very long haul this is my first series regular i've been heavily recurring thank you mine too yeah mine my first series regular too i mean that of a show that went because yeah, I've yes. been in pilots, but I'm sure. I, I mean, I've been heavily recurring. I'm a New York actor. I, I kind of chose to stay in New York for a very long time, um, and and I'll just say real quick how I got the role of Siomara. So fast forwarding the button, um, my uh, my I'm married. I have kids, and uh, my mother in law, my father in law was had suddenly passed away in December before pilot season, and my mother in law, who was in her 80s, um, was in the hospital, and I had just started working six months prior with my managers, my new managers, and they said, you know, you really got to come out to L.A. It's going to make all the difference this pilot season, um, and I knew they were right. You know, again, following my heart, I knew they were right. But I was torn because my fa- my husband was mourning his father's death. My mother-in-law was in the hospital. I had two little kids. My husband runs his own business. And it was like a really horrible time to leave. Um, and I would have had to leave for a month with no guarantees of a job, you know, spending the money it would take me to fly out here. Uh, where was I going to live? I had to get babysitting in place. All of these things. Again, if you have children, doesn't mean your life stops. Anyway. So to your ladies out there. Anyway, um, so I, you know, was torn about it and and I was beating myself up thinking I would be a horrible mother and a horrible wife to leave. But I knew in my heart what what was pulling and I had to follow that again, that instinct. And um, I did go. And uh, three days later, after arriving here in L.A., my first audition was for Jane the Virgin. (laughs) So, you know, it's just really, you know, when you follow, you you know, it just it resonates for you inside your heart. You know, you just it resonates. You know it's right. 
Um, forget about rational thinking. You, you can't. You can't. You can't think that way if you want to be an artist. <laughs> and, um, you know, three days later, first audition for Jane. And, and my first reaction was, CW? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was artificially inseminated by mistake. Oh, my God. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> you know. I guess I'll just show up to this audition and, like, look at it as practice. <laughs> but then I read the script, and I was so impressed. I was so amazed by the story. And um, three weeks later, after several auditions, screen tests, and a chemistry read with Jane, or with Jen Gina, I booked the role. And so one month later, I came back to New York, and I was like, bam! <laughs> Here you go. It's like I went out for the hunt, you know? That's what I felt like. I went out for the hunt. There was no guarantees. It was dark. It was cold. <laughs> Starving, but I came back and... There you go. Two years later, here we are. <laughs> she is a powerful woman. I tried to salsa dance with her once, and I was like... <laughs> It's 918. Are we, um, uh, Bring it home, Justin. So I had a, I had a very different experience um, to answer your question. So I uh, just getting into it, I, I never actually thought that I could ever really be an actor. Um, it was such so far from the realm of possibilities for me. I, from 10 to 18, I grew up in a small town in Oregon. And my dad was in the business, uh, but on the other side of it, doing uh, more advertising type stuff. And I was uh, truthfully kind of an awkward, ugly duckling, so to speak, in high school. I never like was the guy that got the girl. I'm telling you the truth. We believe that. I'm very, very. Trust me. Listen, I I was never the the Raphael type character. Just trust me. Uh, my best friends always were the ones that got the girl, and so it was like the idea of being an actor was so just. Um, but I love to create, so I started to to direct in high school and make music videos and pretend to be like, you know, in sync and the band, like that was like, and instead of, uh, instead of book reports, I would make movies and that was kind of my thing. And then I got my heart broken. I was going to Long Beach state running track and I tried to get into UCLA theater department just cause I thought it would be like the easiest possibility for me to get in cause my grades weren't that good. And I got rejected and I'm like, clearly I'm not going to be an actor. Um, and in the, I was sleeping on my dad's couch in his office. He had a, uh, like an, he had an office in the Wilshire corridor, and there was just a couch. There was because he was never there, and I had nowhere to go. I had nothing really. I just was sleeping on his couch, trying to figure out what I was going to do. I registered for SMC for college, and uh, a guy walked into the building, and he's like, "You know, are you coming back from Sundance?" And I had no idea what Sundance was, and I was like, "No." And he's like, "You're an actor?" I'm like, "No, but I could be." <laughs> um, and uh, he uh, he. T took me uh, under his wing and sent me into an acting class and a couple months later I got my first role and I was like whoa uh, this is crazy um, and so I started to to work a little bit um, but I always felt drawn to the other side of it to the to the behind the scenes and when I was about 25 I couldn't get a job to save my life uh, I couldn't get a manager couldn't get an agent suddenly like I don't know if people thought I was 40 or 20 I was in that weird is he is he white is he Persian? Is he Hispanic? Is, I was in this weird kind of uh, ethnically ambiguous gray zone, and that wasn't a cool thing uh, seven years ago. Um, and uh, 
And so I just stopped acting completely, and I focused on what I felt would be my service to humanity, which uh, was directing and creating uh, documentaries and things that I felt passionate about. And I started, uh, and and it was, but it, but I'm not lie, it was painful because you go through this process of like nobody wants me, like I'm not, I'm not useful here anymore. Um, so you have to, and sometimes I believe God just presses the reset button, and it's up to you to figure out what it is you're supposed to do with your life, and if it's, um, if it. And there's a lot of different possibilities, you know? And so for me, I was like, okay, I'm going to detach and let that go. And if it ever comes back, then, you know what? Then, then it's meant to be. So uh, I started going down that path, and I fell in love with it. And, and I started to build a really nice commercial directing career and, and had a blast and felt like, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. With, this is my purpose. I'm living my purpose. I'm being of service. And um, long story short, uh, my wife had a... Mani I was moving to a different directing. I was uh, represented in, by a lit, eight, lit manager. And I changed to, I took a meeting with a different lit manager um, that, my wife, uh, that my wife had kind of introduced me to. And they had an acting part of the company. And so I took a meeting with both of them. And uh, they were like, yeah, we, you know, let's do it. And I said, you know, if there's ever something that pops up, I, I was an actor, like it could be fun to audition for something every now and then. And uh, a couple weeks later, I was, uh, I, my wife and I were going to bed and I was helping her with an audition. And uh, I looked at it and uh, she was auditioning for Petra. And we were in bed, and I was like reading this thing with her, and it was, it was one of the scenes we obviously did in the pilot. And uh, I was thinking to myself, like, this is really fun, like, because I had I hadn't acted in a while. I was like auditioning with her, and I was like, who's if she gets this? Who's this Raphael guy gonna be? <laughs> I was like, he better not be too good looking. Like I was, <laughs> I was like, because I, I, I thought my wife had a great chance of getting the role, and then obviously, you know, the the best person got it for the role, uh, and. Uh, maybe three weeks, a month later, it was a long time. I forgot that they were even, you know, I, th I figured it would have been cast by then. They called and they sent me an audition. It was my second audition for an, any acting thing in a couple years. And I went in and it was with Jenny and Brad was there and uh, I hadn't, I was so nervous because I'm like, I, uh, okay, I'm just gonna go from the heart and I'll never forget and you still do this when I, I love watching you on set. I was acting and I was acting with the casting director and I could see her in my peripheral vision going like this. But that's how we know we're doing a good job. And it was like, so funny because I was like, and then the director, the director was super like, you know, and it was so funny. The, the, the waiting room was filled with like every good looking guy in Hollywood. And the black, white, like the Hispanic, like there was like clearly no, you know. And, then, and she was just like this. And I was like, this feels good. I'm going to do it again. I didn't feel connected. And I asked if I could do it again because I didn't feel one of the scenes. And then I did it again. Um, and I was like, all right, I'm gone. And then I put it away. And I'm like, that was fun. I auditioned for something. That was great. Uh, the best part ever was I got a call right afterwards. Now, I, don't, I don't know if you guys stopped the session or what happened, but I got a call literally right afterwards saying, uh, my, ma my manager at the time was like, I don't know what is happening. Uh, but I think you're going to test for this. And I was like, T test? <laughs> like, I had awful experiences testing. I left. I was done with uh, I was like, okay. So within a minute, because she didn't even know if I had a quote or she didn't know what. She was like, uh, sure. So for, it was like a 24 hours later, I go into a screen test. And it might be the only time an actor has experienced this. But I get there, and it's just Gina. And uh, we meet, and we start talking. And I'm like, 
so wait, is, that, wait, is anybody else coming? There was nobody else. There was no other actors. And and the, and the funny thing was, it happened to me ten years earlier when I was twenty-one, and I didn't get the job. <laughs> Talk about feeling crappy. You screw up that one. Like you're the only actor they're testing, and you don't get it. Like. And so that made me almost more nervous. But what's interesting, and I feel like this is what's permeated our show, um, and all actors, and we've all brought a different level of this, and I'll wrap it up, but um, Gina and I were talking. And because I had just gone through you know, uh, a documentary series where I was telling the stories of people who were dying and Raphael had cancer, and we were just talking about service being our work, the focus of this audition was on, it was Gina and I connecting about, man, if this thing were to go, think about all the awesome stuff that we could do with it. Like, think about the platform that this can bring and how we want to treat our co-star. We started dreaming about, like, kind of what I think we all dream about, which is, like, being being one of the few that are up on a platform like this and, wow, we can actually do something magical with it for the world. And it completely relieved me of any nervousness. And I go in, and Brad's just like, the director's like, just, you'll be fine. Just, you know, don't worry. You're the guy. I literally leave. Jenny comes, we're sitting, Jenny, I, I come back out. Um, I was like, that was good. I felt connected, I think. That was great. And Jenny comes back out. Congrats! Within like 30 seconds. That's, isn't that amazing? Now? And I said, congratulations, you got it. Oh, yeah. And then I went back inside and they're like, should we tell him? Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. I was like, oh, yeah. Let, let, let's, and, and they go, why don't we bring him in here to tell him? I was like, yeah, let me go get him again. So I was like, Act again. Like, you didn't, like, I didn't just say that. I was more nervous about the reacting of the, like, surprise. Because I had everyone in their network studio, and I had just been like, you know. So they brought me back in, and they were like, congrats. And I was like, ah. But that's part of the wonderful thing about Jenny being so decisive. Like like you guys were saying before, that works for us as well, because usually you have to wait like two weeks, and then there's all these, you know, things, and Jenny's just like, yes, great. I mean, I remember feeling the same in my audition when I was sitting in the waiting room. It just reminded me that I was sitting with all these people that, to me, Petra's character in the the beginning was called Monica, and I was sitting with all these people who, to me, were these, like, Monicas, and I was like, me? Are you sure? The villain, you think? I don't know. And anyway, and Jenny was just like, yes, you, and she knows. I, You know, you got to trust her. So that was it. I mean, I have to say, you know, I'm sure a lot of you in one way or another sit through a lot of panels that are probably like this and hear a lot of actors and writers talk. And I certainly know that I moderate a lot of these things. But, like, there is something so different about the energy the actors bring to the show and the writers and the stories you want to tell. And I honestly believe that it's that intention that has made the show so successful. And that is the reason all these people sat in this warm room for a while. Um, But thank you all so much for coming out tonight to talk about Jane the Virgin. Thank you to all of you. Thank you to the Writers Guild, and have a great night, everybody. Thank you.